In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? Get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I'm here with Elise and Caitlin today. Elise, on the star of the Emmy-nominated, tuning out the news. It happened, yes. Uh, the show, a show that I work on, tuning out the news on Paramount Plus, if y'all haven't checked it out, was nominated. Nominated for Best Short Form something (laughs) short form thing i know that we are up against carpool karaoke i wish them the best (laughs) Uh, i'm pretty sure carpool karaoke has won every year (laughs) mm, i think this year you're gonna give them a real run a real run for their money i mean all he does is sit there while while the grammy nominated singers sing all i'm saying is tuning out we not we animate we record and animate shows in a day we do real interviews as every day they, every day Dude, at least I'm not does on that every day. at least does this most days after the podcast at most I'm days. not on every day and I'm actually I'm not in the episode that is nominated for the Emmy quick caveat <laughs> on the Emmy but, nominated show regardless but it's Emmy quality show on Paramount Plus if you haven't checked it out. We record episodes with politicians, some sup faves. We just did one with Eric Swalwell. Uh, And the episode that is nominated for the Emmy is with the Lincoln Project's Rick Wilson. And they really uh, they really stuck it to him. Really? Oh, what a tease. Yeah. So I would say check that out and then check out the whole the whole dang show. Yeah, definitely do it. So exciting. So. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about the fallout from Texas Democrats fleeing to Washington, D.C. and that Biden speech we were talking about yesterday. Then we're going to come back because Elise and I had a chance to interview our fave Michelle Buteau, uh, uh, the, the second season. My, my number one fave. I didn't tell her this, but we were talking to her about how Elise, she and Elise performed at the same Caroline's Ms. Foundation fundraiser together with Gloria Steinem. Mm-hmm. And Gloria Steinem I, was there went up to Michelle at that event. And I told her that she was the most iconic person there. And she gave me a hug and really appreciated that. (laughs) I didn't tell her that that was me because I was worried she wouldn't remember, but that is how iconic (laughs) she is to me. I mean, she's, and also, I mean, this is a podcast. So, you know, you'll have to look to the Insta for this. I don't know if we're doing that kind of content, but she looks stunning. She looks stunning. I will have to double check. They were like audio only, but then she looked, I was like, 
I, I know guess it's like if you it's insist, a waste if you to have insist. her be audio only with this beauty that she brought to the Zoom. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up. I'm gonna follow up on that. I'm gonna follow okay. up. But before that, we're going to talk about voting rights. We're gonna start with our vegetables. Stick around for dessert. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin had to skip dessert today, unfortunately, because she wasn't feeling great. Oh, it happens. Nothing to lift your spirits like voter suppression. <laughs> oh yeah, I was gonna be like, that's probably what's making me sick. All of the the stomach churning is is making me sick, you guys. Yeah, is it Delta or is it just watching the news? <laughs> like, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? So before we sort of go into more of what has happened since and this renewed effort to get something the fuck done about voting rights, I want to remind us all what we are up against. So we don't like to play uh, Mr. Trump's voice very often on this podcast, but he described the insurrection on Fox News in a pretty offensive and alarming way that I just think that we should uh, take a listen to. Let's let's hear it. You have people with no guns that walk down. And frankly, the doors were open and the police in many cases, you know, they have they have hundreds of hours of tape and they're not releasing the tape. They ought to release the tape to see what really happened. But there was also a love fest between the police, the Capitol Police and the people that walked down to the Capitol. A love fest. A love fest. I'm pretty sure fest. once someone died. Uh, they killed a police officer. <laughs> I don't think people usually die at a love fest. Megan Kelly also said on her podcast this week that the media has made the insurrection look worse than it actually was. And I have seen this devolve into people like reminding people what the definitions of insurrection is. But I feel like we do not even need to go there. But this party wide recasting of the insurrection as something else, it comes after many Republicans at the time did denounce it and now are just not saying anything, just as all these like new books are coming out telling us that everyone around Trump knew there was no way to overturn the election, but Mm -hmm. still peddled the big lie. So that's where we're starting from. (laughs) I mean, it's really scary. Okay, well, I've been watching the that like Netflix series, how to become a tyrant or whatever. That's very like, (laughs) it's very like, um, history channel sensationally Peter Dinklage, like narrates it or whatever, but it's really good. And one of the episodes is about controlling the truth and trying to like, like how, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't, I try to shy away from comparing Mr. Trump to other (laughs) figures. But the Stalin episode is about controlling the truth and trying to reframe things. And like him literally saying he was places that he wasn't like he photoshopped pre Photoshop photoshopped a picture of himself with Lennon hanging out and like had it. (laughs) It was like a fake image. So that's what this like really makes me think of is just like kind of the rewriting of history um, for their own purposes. Again, don't want to draw parallels to any individual person, but Hitler did a very similar thing, which number one, he did. a He had a failed coup that no one was held responsible for. And then he was kind of allowed to stay a figure in the government. And then there was also the burning of the Reichstag building, which, you know, there's a lot of uh, dubious claims around how that actually got started and who did that and why. So 
Yeah. It's very, that was just, I literally just watched that entire thing yesterday while like folding and doing my laundry. And so hearing that really uh, mm-hmm. freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been doing, um, I watched that series. I watched like one of the final episodes and like, Oh my God. Like, Cause I came, I walked into my boyfriend's apartment. He'd been watching it. He was like, it's really good though. (laughs) Did you watch the North Korea one? I did watch the North Korea one is the one that North Korea one's really good. Especially when they list all the like, um, like rumors that Kim Jong-il started about himself. Like that he doesn't use a toilet. I didn't know that that was one. Like, okay. Completely while watching this. Legitimately like a God. And like they set themselves up as literally divine. Yeah, um, he said order. that his body is so efficient that it doesn't produce waste, and he doesn't need a toilet. Yeah. Oh, and there's 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 even wacky. Oh, there's so much. That, that does sound like some. Love. That's that doesn't not sound like something Donald a thought that would occur to Donald J. Trump. And and this is the thing. It's like it starts from this place of like if you went all the way to the extreme at the beginning, and you were like, okay, he's gonna do this, and you said that like in 2014 it would just seem in like, first of mm-hmm. all saying that Donald Trump's gonna be president would have sounded like cuckoo pants right in 2014 mm-hmm. but then to add to that like if, if he had started sounding like I want to overthrow the government and like this should happen back in like 2015 or whatever when he was coming he was starting to get like more politically active people would have been like absolutely not it would have just been over the line but what what happens and one of the big things that happens that we don't pay a lot of attention to is like the escalation and it moves through these stages where initially you're like, this is ridiculous. And then it becomes like, Oh, they're, they believe it. Like, and before you know it, like huge chunks of the population are like really engaged in this. I went from the opposite direction. I've been reading battle cry of freedom, which is James McPherson's uh, James McPherson's 1987, like, overwhelmingly like the book about the civil war mm-hmm. you know that i'm uh, a huge fan of the civil war <laughs> huge huge fan fan. It. but one of the craziest things is just seeing how many of the tactics are the same like yes. i of course have believed that for the entire time and blah blah but it's another thing altogether to start reading about the rhetoric and them just being like oh no no like we are being oppressed if we can't take slaves anywhere in the country and then stay enslaved forever wherever we are under any circumstances and the the ways in which they they started from the conclusion slavery they, instead of arguing like a lot of earlier slaveholders had that it's actually evil but and it needs to end but i'm making mad cash so not right now it went to this is actually a political and moral good we need to keep it and like this was happening even as like people were calling for the South to industrialize, even as there was like people who were trying. And by the end, they also had started parroting the same line, like actually don't industrialize, actually don't invest in any new things, actually don't do this. Slavery is the best thing. It's the, it's the only thing. It's everything we are. We can't have in own people. We don't have a culture. And I was like, you guys are telling on yourselves here. And that's kind of where we're at now is like looking at these tactics and looking at it went from, hey, you know, it's important to, to make space for ideas to if you don't let us run everything, we will murder you. And it's like, uh, what the fuck? Like, this is getting to a place where we need this. We, we need more aggressive tactics in return, you know, like, yeah, 
like leaving the state and flying away and saying we're not going to come back. And <laughs> exactly. I've even heard people say like, oh, well, these insurrection laws, they're old. So we don't they don't apply. Well, but they don't apply just because we happen to need them or that like the word insurrection is misleading because they weren't successful. I don't think there's been an in- I think the, the point of the word insurrection, like within the meeting, is that it was not successful. Otherwise, it's a coup. There has never yeah. been a successful insurrection in this country. Well, to if my it's knowledge. successful, then it's just like a revolution. Like what? Right. <laughs> like a, a coup, coup or a revolution. And it's like they're the government now. So there there's no. I, I feel like all the laws are new. If that's it, they don't know they don't know they lost yet. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. So yesterday, President Biden made what I would describe as a forceful speech in defense of voting rights and really strongly denounced these attempts across the country to limit them, especially as the Texas law is moving forward, which, as Lisa and I discussed yesterday, has some really, really monstrous and scary provisions. So let's listen to President Biden yesterday. The 21st century Jim Crow assault is real. It's unrelenting. And we're going to challenge it vigorously. It's no longer just about who gets to vote or making it easier for eligible voters to vote. It's about who gets to count the vote. Who gets to count whether or not your vote counts. 
count it at all. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. The Confederates back then never breached the Capitol, as insurrectionists did on January the 6th. I'm not saying this to alarm you. I'm saying this because you should be alarmed. We'll be asking my Republican friends in Congress and states and cities and counties to stand up for God's sake and help prevent this concerted effort to undermine our election and the sacred right to vote. Have you no shame? Please, Republicans who are doing this thing, please stand up to do the opposite thing that you are doing right now. Like, what? That was my question, is who was that speech for? If he did not say, I mean... The whole time I was like, you're mispronouncing end the filibuster. If you are this angry and this, then the only logical thing to say next is reform the filibuster. And as we said yesterday, obviously, I don't want to make it sound like Joe Biden can do that. I want to make it sound like Chuck Schumer alone can do that. But he has some muscle left that he is not using. And he proved that like he gave he gave progressive Democrats that precise argument yesterday when he stopped short of saying i think at one point he said like do what it takes maybe but that's not so that's why i didn't understand who this speech was for he sort of like caitlin said was like directing it at republicans and i don't know is he talking to lisa murkowski who's he talking to yeah I, I don't get it i don't get it and more than that i'm over here i just finished the chapter where lincoln straight up was like okay no habeas corpus anymore and just like just suspended rid of habeas corpus and then had them argue against tawny who was the the senior person on the court at the time and he was this close to being like let me arrest supreme court justices for, for supporting this shit. like There's if you are in in this level of danger, if democracy is in this level of danger, you pull out all the fucking stops. You don't ask them to stop being mean. And and it's just insane to me. Like he wasn't like, let's negotiate with Confederates. He was like, no, this is a country. You belong in it. Are I'm going to like put you in positions where you get to have the choice of backing away from the violence and from the war. And if you don't, but if you go the opposite direction, it's on you. Mm-hmm. You made this the problem. Yeah, like it's weird to me to bring up the civil war and be like, this is the most significant test of our democracy since the civil war. Somebody should do something. Like, <laughs> he said that. He said that. I'm like, well, I, right. okay. well, and you said, yeah, you said pull out all the stops, but it's like, we're not even asking for anything that radical. It's a procedural rule. We're asking you to come out. Yeah. It's like really not a big deal. We're not asking you to arrest the Republicans in the Senate for insurrection. We're not even there yet, dude. I mean, Caitlin might be asking you to, but you don't <laughs> even have there. to. You don't even <laughs> have to. We're just asking you to be like, yeah, this stupid rule is unnecessary. Get rid of it and everybody will forget. Like, I don't care. If Republicans, I was reading an article today that was like explaining how all of our paths to saving democracy are going to be exhausted other than having to have the kind of turnout and effort that went into 2020. But I don't really trust watching Biden give this speech and watching what's going on that people are going to be as energized and like down for it again. So it's like, why would they be? Why would they be? They did all of it and they elected all of these people and then they did not deliver on the promises that they were elected. And now and now they might get arrested or attacked by a psycho at the poll watcher person. Like, yeah. why? 
we like there was so much turnout there was so much that happened in this last one and it's like you're gonna ask people to do that again and then some and also like amanda and i were talking about potentially put themselves at risk mm-hmm. of being charged with like felony voter fraud because they turned in a paper wrong or they voted when they weren't supposed to or they went into the wrong precinct or they just happen to have a crazy poll watcher who's empowered to do whatever the hell they want at their polling place Mm -hmm. so it's like it just and this is what we were talking about yesterday but it it felt like this speech was to try to be like we all have to overcome these obstacles and it's like no, you need to remove them. That's why we elected you. And mm-hmm. you cannot expect the people to put themselves on the line again. Like you can't expect a law like this to pass that makes voting literally dangerous for certain people and then be like, try your but best. also still do it. Right. And Kyle, Vice President Harris also met, made more statements and met with the Texas lawmakers. And it had, frankly, the same energy, which is like, I guess what I just said, which seems like the last remaining option for me as somebody who does not have direct control over these things, but it's like, you are the president and vice president. Like I want the active, I'm fine for the activist to be telling me just work hard, work hard. Cause it's not the activist that can go to Joe Manchin and be like, look, man, say something. I, I truly believe that Joe Biden can, can get Joe Manchin on board on this. Like, I feel like there's something he can say. No, I don't think that there is. My answer to Joe Manchin and my answer to everything. You're under arrest. (laughs) No, no. Go outflank outflank him and destroy the Republican Party. As long as there's still an option for people to engage with the Republicans through the normal systems of government, they're going to tell themselves that this isn't actually what they're voting for. It's all about plausible deniability the same way that, you know, there was... For some reason, well, I, I'm going to get to that. But look, a lot of white historians were very certain that um, northern uh, abolitionist leaning and people who just didn't like the, the power slave owners had in the government had this idea that there was a conspiracy of slave power. And they called it a conspiracy, even though it kept showing up over and over again, that these people were willing to do whatever it took inside government to preserve and expand slavery. I mean, I was reading about them sending people to try to take over Cuba. This is this is eighteen. Well, this we've been obs- they've been obsessed with it because they wanted another slave. State. Leave Cuba alone. <laughs> leave, Cuba, I, I you guys, leave Cuba alone. <laughs> That's my other podcast. Is just me anything. screaming. Leave, leave Cuba, Cuba alone. alone. <laughs> leave Cuba alone. Like I've been like this way for like this is. We needed to say this to Americans for like a century. Please stop. Leave, leave them alone. It's not their fault. They're close to you. They were doing. They were also uh, helped fund a coup in Nicaragua. Their fifteenth in two years. Jesus Christ. Um, to to expand slavery there like they were about taking over the southern hemisphere in particular and expanding slavery everywhere they could and this is just before the election like this is a madness that has been inside this party for a long time you need to go you're not going to be able to negotiate with them they've never been negotiated with they're willing to do whatever it takes within the confines of government and call it rational the same way they were like oh we have a, a right to rebel and then everyone in the north was like when the the right to rebel only comes through when something in the system has broken you lost an election you right. it's the same the same impetus 
a Democrat, uh, a person representing multiracial democracy wins an election, they go batshit and then try to overturn that election or form their own country because, well, now you've oppressed us by winning an election. I'm sorry, what? The, it's the exact same thing. I'm watching it play out. And it's like, if you don't go and destroy the Confederacy again and make it clear that this time, not only have they lost, but they're never going to be talked about as anything other than the equivalent of Nazis or, you know, Imperial Japan, or like, you're just going to end up in that category, the category of people who are never allowed to have power ever again in any meaningful way. Yeah. Well, else- yeah. It's not going to work. And Joe Manchin only has power because there's a right flank that people can invest in. He can just be like, well, look, I'm with them and I'm not with that. It's like clear sides, traitor, patriot. Which one are you, Joe? Well, and that's the thing that was strange about Joe Biden's speech is that he made it. It seemed to be like addressing Republicans as if he like this was like a bug of their party rather than its future right now. And that was just very confusing and i don't know what just having that on the record is uh is supposed to achieve but now it's time for our buzzworthy news segment brought to you by a dame putting the buzz in all the right places their toys for sex are making the world a happier place one vulva at a time today's buzzworthy news headline is olivia rodrigo is set to visit the white house today to meet with joe biden about vaccination efforts among young people So Rodrigo hyped this visit up on Instagram yesterday when she commented on a thirst trap that Joe Biden posted on the POTUS official account. Is this the sub podcast? I feel like I'm on a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, it was a hot. I mean, we all know at this point that Joe Biden was hot as he was a snack. It's fine. We can say it. So the exchange went viral on Instagram, of course, but as usual, there was a different energy of a discourse on Twitter. It turned out that a lot of political reporters had no idea who Olivia Rodrigo was or why everyone was freaking out that she and Joe Biden were commenting on each other's Instagrams. My question to you, more controversial than perhaps anything we've talked about today, is it acceptable to not know who Olivia Rodrigo is at this point? If you're a member of the media, Yes. No. No. <laughs> what did Caitlin say? Caitlin. <laughs> Caitlin's out. Caitlin's out of frame. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you are not even engaged in TikTok or I don't know her from the Disney Channel or where I don't know her High origin. School musical, story. the musical, the series. Okay. At least knows the origin story. <laughs> I'm deep. I'm deep in the Rodrigo verse. <laughs> I mean, I love the album. Sour is an excellent album. It's too much Civil War reading. I don't have a connection with this century. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Caitlin is actually back in the 1860s. You could definitely sort of write a uh, like a Civil War musical to the album of Sour, for sure. Damn, it's brutal out here. Like a damn sociopath applies to everything we've discussed so far. So anyway, it's actually for real. Today, Wednesday, Olivia Rodrigo is set to visit the White House to promote vaccination among the youngs like her, who, as we know, are um, not getting vaccinated as quickly as we would like and are driving most of the issues right now. So I thought this was funny. Let's listen to our friend, Dr. Fauci, anticipating her visit. And on a lighter note, you're going to meet with singer Olivia Rodrigo tomorrow at the White House. What do you think that she can do to try to persuade younger people to get vaccinated? Well, I understand that she's a very popular figure among young individuals. But I love it. 
love to be the person who explained who Olivia Rodrigo was to Dr. Fauci and was like, okay, well, she's in High School Musical, the musical, the series, which is actually a show about a school that's putting on High School Musical. Now, she's in love with her co-star who has left her for another Disney star or not a Disney star. She was on Girl Meets World, Sabrina Carpenter. Anyway, I just hope that someone sat down and sure she's very pole. I, like, I want you know, like they were dating thing, and then like, two weeks later we left her for Sabrina Carpenter. Whoever yeah, whoever wrote that <laughs> one sheet, whoever wrote that one sheet, our DMs are open. I would love to see it, but I love that it probably said, in conclusion, a very popular person among young individuals, Olivia Rodrigo. Looking forward to what she and Joe turn out for us today. That was our buzzworthy news brought to you by Dame. One of the perks of being vaccinated, of course, is spending time with your partner, a new partner, whatever, with whom you can maybe use the Eva 2, which is a waterproof and hands-off couples vibrator that you can also just use yourself. So to feel the buzz, you can try Dame for yourself by visiting dameproducts.com slash sup. You can learn more and take the quiz to find out which vibe or product will be the perfect fit. We play games on this podcast and on our Instagram, and we know you love them. We love a quiz. Plus, all new customers will get 15% off their first order on dameproducts.com slash SEP. That is D-A-M-E-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-S dot com slash SEP. We're going to take a break, but stick around for our interview with Michelle Buteau. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betcha SEP Podcast. Bye. So we are back with Michelle Buteau, star of so many things, but notably this week, the second season premieres of First Wives Club tomorrow on BET Plus. Michelle, you have a million kids, a million jobs, a million dogs. Thank you so much for being here with us. I like things in two. (gasps) Yes, yes, exactly. So, so excited for the second season. It picks up pretty much where the first season left off, right? Your character in particular is an orthopedic surgeon named Brie Washington, and she's facing some pretty big marital and professional challenges, but it's always really the women's friendships that tie it all together. So this made me curious, what role your friendships sort of play in your life, and especially over the past sort of like weird year and a half? Um, God, that's such a good, that's such a good question. <laughs> I mean, why, thanks. Um, this is my <laughs> no, it's really good. This is, and I'm the only child, so I really do appreciate my friendships in a different way. Um, and I do call my very close friends, my chosen family, because, um, they're there for me, no matter what they get me. Um, I, I could talk to them about anything and there's never any judgment. Um, they're sort of just like a fun therapist to hang out with. And that's why I was really drawn to this show as well, because, um, there's nothing better than friendships and, um, we have to take care of each other and, and nothing is more important than that. And I feel like that is a very big lesson that I learned outside of COVID too. And nothing will make you edit your friend list like a pandemic as well. <laughs> it's like, that's how you wash your hands. <laughs> no, ma'am. <laughs> that was a whole happy birthday. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so true. Um, so another element that I know that I love about the show is that most or every episode of First Wives Club is written and directed by women. Have you had the opportunity to be on such a female-dominated set before? What's that like? Um, I will say I've been very lucky in the last few years to work on magical sets with all these little unicorns running around. And um, I really just big up to streaming platforms for just giving us the opportunity to create content that is for us, by Mm -hmm. us. 
So when I worked on Tales of the City, it was an all queer writer's room and every director was queer. And, you know, working on a female-led show created by Tracy Oliver, she has handpicked all female directors, like you had said. The Even the writer's room is predominantly female. I think Jordan Carlos, which is my oh, yeah. boy, was the only guy, which to me is just like, you know, he's one of my best girlfriends. <laughs> and so it's really energy, vibe, chemistry, and allyship, to be honest. And, you know, when people complain that there isn't enough, that I don't see enough, they don't do enough, it's like, if you compare it to like five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we are making moves. It's so slight. It's like when you see somebody lose weight and you don't know, it's just like one day you wake up and it's like, you know what? It's not this bad. It's not that bad. Does that make sense? Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. It reminds me of like, um, they have that meme that's like the iceberg and the very tip of it is like, this is your success. And under the iceberg is like, all the other stuff that went into getting you to that place. And the only thing that you really That's see. That's true. Show. A lot of times I feel like the door on the Titanic and I'm just holding the patriarchy, <laughs> AKA on my door. Yeah. <laughs> now it, it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm an old lady on the ship looking for my blue diamond. <laughs> so before you came on, we were talking about how actually a couple months before the pandemic started, you and Elise actually both performed at a Caroline show with Gloria Steinem. And I remember that performance by you, I found really affecting. I don't know if you remember, but you got kind of emotional and it got into like, it was a really feminist space and it was like a really impassioned performance and it it was really powerful and it really um, stuck with me. So I was curious how your sort of relationship to news and politics has changed since uh, the last time I heard from you, which was when Trump was in office. I know that you stay really engaged. So how has sort of the the shift to Biden been for you, like mentally, emotionally? I mean, it's better. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you and say that um, I can fall asleep easily at night um, thinking about my cousins that have come over, people that have been in my house, that who they're related to, what happened to Breonna Taylor, I think affects every Black woman that I've talked to and how do I keep my family safe? And now that I'm going out in the world, and I've always said I could be funny, but I have to make it mean something. If it's not sincere, if we're not learning something, if there's no education through love, then what's the point? And so being in shows like that with really strong females, it's it, like, that's the only reason why I'm going to leave my house and, and <laughs> set up, you know, the Netflix kids station and leave them with like tater tots, you know, <laughs> especially having a daughter, um, becoming a mother through the Trump administration um, was such a wild um, education in parenthood that I never even thought I'd have to go through. I really thought it was diapers and getting them on a schedule, but it is, you know, um, planting the seeds for a better world. And it's not just taking out your recycling twice a week. Mm-hmm. You know, it's making sure that people know that their voice is important. Um, realizing what voter suppression really is, like all these things. And so, oh, child, I guess. Are you talking to your, how old are they? Four or five-year-olds about voter suppression? They're two and a half, okay? And I tell them, look, mommy's a Democrat, but her titties are independent. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you were talking, I figured it seems like you might as must have been going back to to record the second season when things were still pretty intense. Obviously, there were safety protocols, but during the pandemic and while there was sort of this this huge racial reckoning, did that sort of um, infuse the the mission on set at all? 
I mean, for sure, especially filming in Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta is like where you want to be if you're going to be filming in Georgia, to be honest. And mm-hmm. um, it, there was something comforting being on set um, where you realize you're just not at home screaming at your TV. Like we're all in this together. Um, being one step closer to Stacey Abrams and her sweet sweet <laughs> I was like, get to me right now. <laughs> Could you feel the Abrams energy as you got closer to uh, Stacy? <laughs> yes. When I'm in Atlanta, the only way I walk to a place is by doing the electric slide. And that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to celebrate the little things. Otherwise, you have nothing to celebrate. But no, mm-hmm. um, you know, I will say before, before the Trump administration, I'd be like, I'd like to have people in my world that have a lot of different opinions. And I like to learn. And I'm just like, no. Like-minded bitches only. Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, also being an actor filming in um, COVID away from your home, you know, it's like every season of Naked and Afraid. It's like you out there just getting the hot spots, trying to be safe and and not get the Rona. Don't. And you didn't get the Rona. So there you go. I didn't get the Rona. And if you did get the Rona. (laughs) Okay, so we were, let's pivot now to, to one of your other projects that we love. Amanda and I were wondering, which if there was an all-politician season of the circle, oh, no. who do we think <laughs> who do we think would win? AOC. Ooh. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Do yeah. we think she plays as herself or does she catfish? She plays herself. Mm-hmm. I think I think she plays herself. I think she's so authentic that people don't know how to be mean to her, and they mm-hmm. just take it in, and she wins. Mm-hmm. Who do you yeah. think would be out the first week? Um, um, ooh, Mitch McConnell for sure. Yeah, I have a guess that Ted Cruz would attempt to catfish, and it would be really, really obvious, and he would be out fast. Yeah, Ted Cruz would definitely be out of his league. I think that he would like think he has strategy and he would be like, I'm going to go into the game and I'm going to pretend. Wow. Okay. I'm writing this right now. <laughs> Ted, Cruz, what? What? Ted Cruz goes in. He says, I'm going to pretend to be a liberal and I'm going to pretend to, I'm going to catfish as a liberal. And then it's so obvious because he doesn't actually know yeah, what that means. Like, why do you love Tucker Carlson so much? This doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's strange. He's a liberal, but he keeps talking about Tucker Carlson. So he would probably pretend to be AOC, but AOC would already be there. But that's, then she's already in there beautiful. as herself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why am I here? Like, <laughs> get in touch with the circle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of First Wives Club, your character, as we said, is an orthopedic surgeon. Um, are you like squeamish at all about that stuff? Do you think that you could reset a bone or reconfigure no, a shoulder in an emergency? Change, girl, I could barely change a bloody tampon. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> Get the fuck out of my face. But at least I'm a good person. Exactly. Right. And that is medicine on its own, isn't it? It is. I'm sorry. Am I allowed to curse? Yes, please. We prefer it. Good. Is it weird? So the char- the show's main character's name is Hazel and your daughter's name is Hazel. So is it weird to be constantly addressing your daughter in that context while you're filming? Very, it's so weird, but it's also so lovely because it makes me feel like I'm still at home because I'm always uh-huh. Jill Scott's character. So I'm like, Hazel, which is like <laughs> me at home. And I even call her Hazelnut, which is what I call my daughter. And it's funny because when we were filming in 2018, my kids weren't born yet, but I did always have Hazel in the back of my mind because my kids. Oh. And so that was just 
fun. And now that Jordan Carlos has joined the season, um, his mother's name is Hazel. Not in the show, in real life. And it's just a bunch of high folks. Yeah, yeah. You know what's fun too? My husband's name is Gary. Well, Ron Rico's name is Gary in the show. And we also had Gary Dorden on the show. And I'm just like, nobody's named Gary. In fact, I saw a weird statistic that Gary is the least popular male name in the country. So oh, that makes really, me kind of sad. Yeah, but if you love your children, don't name Gary. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say bring Gary's back, but no. I guess it is weird to think about a baby named Gary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a baby named Gary. Finally, while we have you for just another minute, one of my favorite things you talk about in your stand-up is just like European shit your husband said. What is the last thing he said that was just like shit Europeans say that you would just were like, only you would say that? The last thing he said was like, I really just want to get high and fix something. I found an old chair from the trash. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> me alone. Oh, beautiful. 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 I mean, good for him. Sounds like he's going to have a great day. Thank you so much for, for your time, Michelle. We really appreciate it. We're such huge fans. We can't wait mm-hmm. for uh, to watch the second season tomorrow. Yay. I love that you're just going to download the BET Plus app and not only watch First Wives Club. We got it. Every season tomorrow. Yep. Perfect. Sounds great. Thank you so much. (laughs) Awesome. The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.